Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. Thanks so much for joining us. I know we got a few new listeners from that nice little Facebook blast we got from uh, the Build Your Library. And if you happen to be one of those new people, make sure you head over to your podcast app and hit subscribe because that's the best way you can get us into your daily feed every time mm-hmm. your uh, phone refreshes. Uh, yeah, and check out our videos on YouTube if you're doing a round-the-world journey. Um, and we love subscribers there too. And, mm-hmm. and iTunes reviews. We... we you you guys have no idea how happy iTunes reviews make us. We like oh, yes. read them together and fawn over every word. We're so excited. We, it's we the pour, little things. We pour pour a glass of ten year old Chianti Rufina. Read <laughs> no, all don't. of our iTunes. We're saving reviews. that bottle, Booza. I know we are. When we go big time, I don't know what big time means, but maybe if we get invited to a conference or something, we'll open it up. Big time, woman. That's our twentieth year together. We're open to that one. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that. Two decades. All the people (laughs) listening are like, good God, these people have been together for two decades? Not quite yet. A couple years. A couple years. Two years. Mm. Oh, my God. I think so. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, shake it off. Shake it off, It's part part of that that funny thing where where people say it's um, more closer to 2050 than we are to 1990. Shudder, shudder, shudder. Shudder, shudder, shudder. (laughs) And I still don't have my flying car. The Jetsons led us astray. So. Just lies. Our mm-hmm. entire childhood was lies. Anyway, that's enough of the uh, silly talk. Mm-hmm. Talk about um, focus silly talk, which is reading to your children. And, and we're going to talk a little bit today about you know reading aloud to your children. And I know a lot of people listening to this and a lot of homeschooling families that we really know the importance of you know continuing to read to your child. And not just reading to your child when they're you know obviously learning to read and they're starting that whole reading journey that... <laughs> We, we are realizing it takes years. Yeah. <laughs> right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of it. Um, but also think about, you know, even when your kid is starting to read on their own and continuing that reading experience and continuing to, you know, share in that, that experience of reading and the, the, the love of language and the love of story. You know, one of the big things that we, you know, are special about, you know, the human race is that we actually can learn and teach and and share through stories. It's one of the one of the defining characteristics of of what we can do, um, especially with respect to learning. It's one of the things that why stories I think are so important, and books are so important. Fiction in in general is so important. Is that it's a it's a great way for us to experience and learn. You know what to do and what not to do mm-hmm. um, through this idea of a story and you know the hero's journey and all that type of ideas that Campbell talked about. You know generations ago. You know. Telling stories is a wonderful way for us to pass on, you know, values and morals and how to act and, and, and behave in the world without actually having to go through the complex, you know, I don't actually have to go to Mordor to know that it's good to have a friend walking into a dark place, mm-hmm. you know, and you know that by reading Lord of the Rings 
And those are really, really like interesting concepts. And we mm-hmm. were able to, in essence, you know, implant stories and, and the and the importance of stories into our mind. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, reading aloud is so important and, and reading, you know, a wide variety of books, you know, because there's just so many different types of, you know, we all know there's like one basic story, but there's, it's, there's so many varieties of that and you can find something that's interesting for you and your learner. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's talk about it. The benefits of stories, we've talked a little bit about it so far, but, you know, what are a couple of benefits of, you know, telling stories? I can't do this. I, I got to be straight with you guys. What? I did not read to our children today. I feel really guilty, you, but I'm going to be honest with all of you listening. They were jerks. They, our kids were... They had to go to bed early, they, and mommy and daddy needed a break, and we got a podcast. They they were they had such awful behavior this God, evening. Should, uh, we, should we tell them what the... We've had a rough should, week. Should we, should we run through what, what has happened to the little one? So our, our little one, our has almost three-year-old... Has had a week of weeks. She has. She had an she ear infection on Easter, and then three days later, she broke her foot. Right broke, where her broke, broke her toe, her big toe meets her foot. The right, yes. the bone Spiral break right break. there. She, she had a puncher's break in her toe. Right, and then um, three days later, she had a, a fever and uh, developed a cough and all yeah. of that. Yeah. And then she swallowed a gem. Then she swallowed a toy, a, toy. Uh, a gemstone toy, plastic. A plastic. Gemstone, yeah. um, then a day later, she slipped and fell and hit her chin and bit her tongue. Mouthful of blood. Everywhere. Yeah. So at this point. Um, she, uh, her, very... t- her tongue has healed her. She pooped out that gemstone. Thank God. She uh, is still on amoxicillin for that ear infection. <laughs> she has a lingering cough and she is in a giant foot brace thing from the a children's bo- orthopedic doctor she's for in, three weeks. She's in the boot. So with all that being said, uh, we've had a, we've had a rough one and our patience is, uh, is at its, at its end. Um, and our, our kids had like, we were. I was getting ready to get them ready for bed tonight, and um, I always read to them before bed because that's kind of um, you know, mommy goes to work, so I get to put them down. That's kind of my special time. Um, and they were they were jerks. Both of them were just they were terrible. <laughs> they were our so bad. our little one was sitting on the sink, and she piled every flosser into the sink and poured soap all over them. Um, that was after painting on her dress earlier tonight. No, no, and no. The she, was big pa- one, she was painting her hand. And then smeared it on her dress. Smeared it on her dress. Anyways, and the big one thought that her antics in the bathroom were hilarious. <laughs> and so she did nothing to stop the chaos from happening. And they both just, neither was listening. And I sent them both to bed. And then I, I sent them both to bed without a story tonight. And then I come down here and I'm putting a podcast about how important reading aloud is. So I feel a little bit like a fraud and I wanted to come clean with all of you. Now, we did preface before this that Matt told me that he read to the girls today. So someone in the adult capacity of this household has read to (laughs) child capacity, um, but it wasn't me and I feel a little bit fake. Now we can continue. I just, I had to get that off my chest, (laughs) y'all. I felt like a bad homeschool mom. I totally sent them to bed without a story. Okay. Roll it back 24 hours. It is now not Thursday night. It is now Wednesday night. <laughs> when they were good and got a story. <laughs> when they were good and had a good story. <laughs> what were you trying to do yesterday <laughs> to help educate and, reality, and enlighten your children? <laughs> All right. Listen, we know that there's incredible benefits of reading aloud. It makes our kids better readers, better writers, mm-hmm. better listeners. So they tell me. We're still holding out on that last one. So 
reading aloud really is the foundation of all literacy development. Uh, so, you know, speaking to our kids obviously is yeah. part of them developing their vocabulary, but you use a vastly larger vocabulary when you read aloud to your kids than when you just speak in your everyday vernacular. We tend to reuse words often. If you've listened mm-hmm. to this podcast enough, you hear us say the same words over and over, same phrases. Um, when we read books, we're reading something that someone else wrote. We're using their phrases. We're teaching our kids. But, so, but also there's a wrinkle in there. It is that is, in some respects, good grammar that has been edited exactly. by a professional. Exactly, and, and that can't be that can't be understated as how mm-hmm. important that you know while it is creative writing and there is some you know uniqueness to that. It's true. Um, most sentences at a, at a kids level book, you know, kind of Harry Potter and down, are are just you know grammatically very strong and they've been edited and it's for clarity and mm-hmm. and Absolutely. readability and i think that is something that when, when kids are listening you know they're eight they'll ape back things like that and yeah. i think with respect to literacy i think they they under, begin to understand sentence structure understand grammar Absolutely. when they're being read to i was not part i taught the parts of speech until no. i was in late high school this Spanish is a miss class. I, I i literally was a senior in high school before they taught nouns and verbs and adverbs thanks schools in missouri so <laughs> we you know i just wasn't taught this um but i never had a problem with grammar my grammar and my writing is still pretty good. Uh, and it's because I can hear, I can just read it and hear inside my head when it's right or when it's wrong. Um, and that's just that immersive experience of reading a lot. And like you said, reading stuff, stuff that's been well edited. So we're getting vocabulary, we're getting grammar. We're also getting really sophisticated language patterns that Mm -hmm. are used by the authors that write these books. It, this also, when you read to your kids, you're providing them a model of what it looks like to read fluently, to read with expression mm-hmm. and, and meaning, right? When I, when I read to our girls, you know, you don't just, you don't just read it like you're reading a textbook. You're, you're reading it with expression. There's, mm-hmm. there's highs and lows. Your voice gets softer or there, faster. There's, there's or, a fancy word for that. It's not literacy. It's like, it's, I think it starts with a P. I was listening to a talk on a podcast the other day, and, and he was going into and I think we'll talk about it in the short bite, uh, Dr. Tim Resininski, I think is his name. Um, he was talking about how not just reading, going to what you're saying, using the expressions mm-hmm. and actually delivering the speech, whether right. it's a dramatic speech from history or, you know, it's it's a funny character, like, you know, reading something in a voice like Jim Dale type of thing. You know, that is next level literacy because it's not just that you're reading it you are taking the words and you're giving meaning behind them through through voice and through expression exactly and he he even talked about how like there's this very like there's phonics there's literacy there's fluency and then there's like these other higher order um literacy concepts that are center around delivery and expression. And that expressive reading helps our kids to better understand the story, better understand some complex themes. Mm -hmm. This also, when we read to our kids, it helps them recognize what reading for pleasure looks like, especially with our daughter. She really struggles with reading and she doesn't like to read for pleasure, but she sees us do it and enjoy doing it, enjoy telling her stories. And that's a great thing to model for her. Mm -hmm. 
The other thing that's really important about reading to our kids is that we are reading to them at a level that is above what they could read to themselves, which means that we're exposing them to more complex ideas than they could read on their own. So I have read, uh, at this point, our daughter is almost seven, six and a half, and we've read the first three Harry Potter books. There's no way she could read those books. But I can read them to her, and she it's opening her mind to all of these more complex thoughts and ideas and well, especially and characters, the questions abound. Yeah, characters' motivations. I mean, her, her mm-hmm. experience with, you know, in the world is, you know, still very, very small. Exactly. And being able to, to ex- see what other people are doing, especially characters that she's, you know, growing to love and, and, and follow. You know, I, I agree with you that learning what they do, you know, she can understand, okay, this is being a good friend. This is not being a right. good this friend. This is how they handle their fears. Yeah, this is how exactly. they handle when they have anxiety or concern about something. What does the character do? And sometimes it's right and it's wrong, right? We, mm-hmm. I've read plenty of books. Oh, she, she constantly tells us about how Harry Potter has bad behavior and does not right. tell people he the truth. He lies to people and yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't. Untrustworthy Harry, I think yeah, she calls him. He doesn't trust, you know, he never tells Dumbledore. We always talk about how yeah. right in the beginning when there, when something happens that starts the conflict in whatever Harry Potter book, if he just would stop and tell Dumbledore, there would be no book, right? But he never does. And so... <laughs> We, we always talk about that. So whether the character is modeling a good behavior or a bad behavior, it gives you an opportunity to, for them to learn that that might be a way to handle that. And we can open up the discussion about why that might or might not be the right thing to do mm-hmm. or why that character might might have made that decision. For example, if we're going to go on the Harry Potter thing without, you know, not trusting and, and lying about things. You know, she goes, well, that's wrong. We shouldn't do that. I said, well, it's right. You, sh- you know, yeah, you should tell tell us if there's something wrong. When your you know? sister's destroying the bathroom. Right, yeah, yeah you yeah. should tell us. But on the other hand, we can say, why do you think Harry made this decision? Was it because what happened in Harry's life that made him think maybe adults were not trustworthy? And that gives her like a whole other thing to think about. It's it's so much more than is this right or is this wrong, but the motivations behind that character and an empathy for why that mm-hmm. character would have behaved that way. So I think it's really important, you know, because kids use, they use books to understand life mm-hmm. and, you know, their life under, their life experiences to understand books. So we're helping them to grow experiences by reading to them and by reading stories with complex characters and and complex situations. And I think the next level is that connection. Like once Mm -hmm. they see all these various aspects, they're going to start to see themselves in those characters. Maybe not wholly or whatnot, but you always remember people saying, oh, you know, oh, I really connected with Ged from, you know, when Wizard of Earthsea, right? I feel like that that could be a, a me, a lot, you know, going right. around becoming see a wizard. parts you know? of yourself. I, I can see parts of myself in We were reading characters. Bezos and Ramona, exactly, yeah. and she's like, oh. She, she was like, I heart Bezos. She's like, I feel you, Bezos, you know? And we really, she really took a lot from that book because her sister is oftentimes causing craziness, but not as crazy as Ramona, which gave her a bit of perspective about her life, I think. Um, but, you know, she was really seeing herself in that character and then seeing how that character reacted to situations where things didn't go mm-hmm. the way that, that she wanted them to. You know, it also builds connection between like you and and your child. Oh yeah, I mean, reading it loud, well, it's like a cuddly time. Well, it's also like it's, it's a it's, quiet time. It's a quiet time, but also you can ask questions while you're reading, like, oh, you know, what did you think about, you know, what did that character do or this character did, and you can have that kind of open conversation with your mm-hmm. your learner about, you know, what's happening, and you can bring up, you know, your experiences and then ask them about their experiences and what they think and what what 
Well, I always, I always remember I, I had, a, I, I had a conversation with like one of my cousins once when they were like 17 and I was actually asking him, you know, what, what's your opinion? And he actually took me aside afterwards and said, well, you know, I really appreciate it. you're like the first adult, made me feel old, but <laughs> uh, one of the first adults that actually like cared like what I was thinking. Yeah. You were talking about, um, yeah. something in, some, uh, you know, some news topic, news something. topic or something like that. I was like, Hey, what do you think about that? And the same thing with our kids, you know, asking them what they think about things yeah. makes them feel like their opinions and their, and their view on the world is valid and that mm-hmm. they can provide you something, um, some insight into things. And you, you know, almost every one of us has been shocked once or twice, <laughs> you know, <laughs> these early learners when they, when they, they just, cut you deep. They can on, have some, some deep thoughts. On some deep thought. And it's amazing to hear and, and listen. And it's one of those moments where you go, man, this this is becoming a, a person, you know, one of those type of things. Absolutely. And that's that kind of a, like connection between you and your reader that, you know, can come through reading books. Absolutely. It's a time, you know, for, for, for me and our daughters, it's always a time where we're cuddling. It, it helps yeah. them cope when they're really stressed or they're quite anxious. I mean, I remember as a child, there being like nothing more soothing than sitting with my mom or dad, hearing their voice. Like mm-hmm. that was... That was such a, a comforting thing. And when we've had particularly stressful days, uh, usually, unlike tonight, uh, <laughs> I would take that as an opportunity to cuddle up with my daughter and sink into a book and help her to just you know, go into another world, right? They can use books the same way we use books as adults, as something to get our mind off of maybe what else is going on in our world and just dive into somebody else's story. So it's a really great way to help them um, learn those coping mechanisms if they're particularly stressed, maybe they'll reach for a book when mm-hmm. they're older, you know, knowing that that's a great way to, to, to calm themselves. But yeah, but not even connection with like you and your, your child, but also siblings, like you're talking about with the, the Ramona Absolutely. Jesus story. A lot of times, you know, too, you'll have, you'll have kids who are sitting, listening to a read aloud and they're doing a puzzle together while you're reading aloud or, and, and, all of this goes, I think, for audiobooks as well. If you're going to have, you know, you're listening to yeah. Jim Dale read Harry Potter together and you're doing a puzzle. I've listened to many audiobooks while coloring or doing a puzzle or doing something. And that's also really great. Um, you know, you're, you're making connections between kids. It's not just whatever they're doing together while they're listening. It's also the discussions that come up between your kids about what's happening in the story or what they think is going to happen next, right? That's mm-hmm. a, a fun one we we like to play. What do you think is going to happen next when we stop reading for the night? So really good. And it makes a lot of great memories too with your kids. I and mean, that's one of the the things that uh, I, I look back on, you know, different books so fondly about the time where we were um, when we read that book together and what was going on in our lives. And, you know, you have those memories. Um, Going beyond the connection, we talked a little bit about taking that pressure off that reluctant reader. And I know Mm -hmm. our oldest is false. You know, she's always been the kid who's in the middle of the bell curve of targeted demographics. If If it's designed for a child, it's it's meant for her or if it's a food that's meant for a child, it's meant for her. Yeah. Um, you know, she's a reluctant reader and she's like right smack dab in the middle of it. And she, you know, she is a reluctant reader and reading to her, I think really takes a lot of that pressure off of her Mm -hmm. and helps to preserve that kind of, that budding interest in books and, right. and that love of books. Because I, that's such a worry, right? When you oh, have yeah. a reluctant reader and you're working with them very regularly on their reading, there's, you know, you, you're always trying to be careful, right? We don't want to make this a yeah. stressful experience for her. We don't want her in us working with her towards being able to read. We don't want this to 
turn her off of books. So we can kind of counter a little bit. Obviously we we're very careful with those lessons and we, we, we stop before she gets fatigued and we, you know, we're trying to be very sensitive knowing that she does need to learn to read and she does want to learn to read. We're, even though she's reluctant, we're, we're helping her. But at the same time, we can counter that by saying, Hey, why don't you finish this early reader? Then mommy or daddy's going to read you another chapter of the book, you know, of your book. And she's always looks forward to that. So we're continually modeling, you know, that, that, that reading is fun and taking a little bit of pressure off of her shoulders. She doesn't have to read everything. I remember when, uh, I learned to read and my mom used to always read me like a bedtime story. And the moment that I learned to read, I, you know, brought a notebook to her and she said, well, can't you read it? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, yeah, but aren't you going to read it? And she wouldn't read to me anymore. She was like, nope, you know how to read. You're done. You know, I don't have to read to you anymore. And I remember, I mean, I have like clear memories of being five years old and being super, super upset about the death of, and they never read to me again. And I, I, I really held that. And, and I started mm-hmm. to kind of hate reading like at that time. It started mm-hmm. to slowly go downhill because all of a sudden I felt this pressure that if I wanted to read a book, it was all up to me. Mm-hmm. You know, our daughter knows that she can go to any book on the shelf and ask us to read it. So her interest doesn't have to be limited by what she's able to read. And we can take all of that stress off of her because we'll always read to her. So, yeah, absolutely. Beyond, you know, just reading to, to them, it, it does allow them to retain information, um, both verbal yeah. and emotional and, and, and developmental ideas that helps them retain those type of things and be able to, you know, regurgitate those back out. Mm-hmm. A lot of those times I like to ask her, oh, you know, what happened in Harry Potter tonight? Or what happened in, you know, Missy Pickle Wiggle that we're reading? <laughs> I'm reading her that right, right. now. And retelling that, it's it's the equivalent almost of giving a book report or something exactly. in, in that they're sharing their knowledge with you. And, and they're so proud, too, of how well they listen. Yeah, the funny thing is, you know, we've been doing these Usborne readers um, yeah, this is the Usborn um, right. early reader first first library. First, I think it's yeah, called. Yeah, it's like there's like I don't know fifty reader books in there. At the end of every book, it's where the uh, the parent and then the child will read together. So the parent will read one page and the child reads right. the other. At the end of that, they give you actually a slide of images, and then the the learner actually has to tell the story back. And that's been something that she's been really enjoying doing and and hitting a lot of the same. I'll hear almost the same phraseology that was in the in the text, which tells me, okay, she's listening, she's understanding, she's remembering the words. Mm-hmm. And even to the point of like the details of, you know, I think it was one of the ones she, we just read was like the magic ring. And it was about a, a guy who found a ring and he started wishing for fish and he was on a, he was on an island uh, abandoned and he was trying to get off the island. And she was telling this elaborate story, but she was pulling entire sentences from the book that she had remembered that we had read. And I, yeah, it just, it's amazing how they can just you know, do that when you're reading out loud to them. I love when we talk to our daughter about what she read, especially when it, or, or what we read to her. Mm-hmm. I love seeing what she picked up out of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the things that she, you know. Finds interesting. She is, finds yeah. interesting. It's it's really cool, you know, yeah. and something that maybe I didn't even notice. There's times when I'm reading aloud and I'm trying to be expressive and things that I actually get a little bit lost sometimes with the meaning of everything going on because I'm focused on trying to have good diction for her and, yeah. you know, modeling good 
pauses and things and and but she's so engrossed she's picking up things like well no mom remember because he did this because of this reason <laughs> I'm, I'm sometimes like reading it a little bit um almost like a performance yeah but and, I'm, and I'm, you're, and you're locked in that performance yeah it's it's almost like a performance but i'm i'm reading it just a little bit automatically oh, i yeah. guess is what i'm trying to say you, you almost realize you 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 almost don't even engage with what you're reading. You're Sometimes just, I don't. You're just trying to read it in a good cadence because a lot of times I find pacing is a big problem for me. Right. You know, I tend to talk pretty fast and I think that's because I listen to my podcasts at one and a quarter speed and I listen to my audiobooks at one and a half speed. I, I think my brain's just always running at that, you know, yeah. higher, higher yeah. speed all the time. And it, it gives me a little bit of marble mouth and I, and I tend to run on a little bit. And people listening to the podcast go, yep, 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 I've heard that. And, <laughs> but uh, I, I know for reading to her, I really have to get down to 1x speed right. and do it in a very thoughtful manner. And sometimes when I'm doing that, I can get, you know, I can start thinking about other things while I'm just performing right. this. The same thing book. happens yeah. to me. It is hard to stay engaged sometimes. And, and so one of the things I think that really helps me is when, you know, we are having discussions, when we are stopping and I'm asking her if she understood that or what yeah. she thinks about that helps me stay more engaged with the story too. So that's a lot about the benefits of reading the books. And a lot of us know about that. And, you know, hopefully that kind of reiterated what a lot of us already know, you know, e either intrinsically or that we've read it in the past. But let's talk a little bit about when we want to choose a book, choose great books. Oh, yeah. That's just really hard, right? You want to choose books that are going to spark your kid's imagination, that are going to engage them, that are going to make them want to go further. Um, but how do you choose those great books? And there's lots of great lists and things out there. We're not doing a show tonight about uh, recommendations. I, I am working on one um, for that nice. kind of five to seven age range. So, but... Tonight, I just... Did Anna Karenina make the cut? No. No. Um, but today, we just wanted to talk about kind of broadly some just things to keep in mind. So really, you want to seek a range of stories that are both like your children um, and some that are different people, different cultures, different communities, right? Yeah, so kind of reading broad. Yeah, you do. You, you, you don't want to read all things that your kids can't identify with. Right. You want to have a mix of things that they can and things they can't. One of the things we've been really enjoying um, with our around the world journey is we've read several books about, you know, like um, an Asian American uh, child or, you know, a uh, Pakistani American child or whatever. One of the things that works really well with that is that there are elements in all those stories that our child as an American could totally identify with. Exactly. And then there's all these other elements of that culture um, from that child's family that she's getting to see and contrast with the way we would do things. That kind of story works perfectly for this because she's getting a bit of both. So when you're seeking stories, choose some that your kids can identify with and some that either stretch it or books like those that maybe have both pieces um, because we do want to make sure we're exposing our kids to different cultures, different communities. I think that's been one of the benefits of going around the world is that she sees a lot of different kids, a lot of different cultures living in a lot of different ways. And you're right. A lot of those books that we do read are almost immigrant stories that mm -hmm. are, it's, it's, it's kind of the, the luck of the draw that, you know, the publishing, you know, there's so many published books in the U S that talk about so many different topics. And, you know, when you're starting to integrate other cultures, there are a lot of great immigrant story books. And mm -hmm. you're right. When she sees somebody who, you know, is her age doing her things that she's doing, but you know, Oh, eats out of a bento box or, 
you know, has come from this portion of the world because of this issue or, Mm -hmm. you know, has, you know, this person's family came because of a war over here and stuff like that. She starts to see that the the world is more complex and a lot different. And I think she can identify and see herself in those people. And so when she goes out in the world, she's, you know, she's comfortable talking to other people that maybe look or act a little bit differently than her. And it's, it's a good thing. So, yeah, I think it's a great thing. It's really important when we choose, when we're looking for great books to try to find books with rich language. I'm looking at you, magic tree house. (laughs) I, I really hate the magic tree house books. My daughter loves them. Uh, and we do read them to her, but every time I read them, I think I want better. They're, they're early, early readers. Who's the Mercy Watson lady? Oh, Kate DiCamillo. DiCamillo. She's a fantastic writer. Really rich language, fun, humorous, lovely Mm -hmm. to read. We want rich language. We want meaningful plots, really compelling characters, and and engaging illustrations if it's something that has illustrations. So, you know, that doesn't mean... Renly series, something like that. Yeah, Renly's a great example. That doesn't mean that we don't read books like The Magic Treehouse to pick on that. No, I, we have 20 of them and them, yeah. she adores them. And But those are, those are, you know, we don't just read books to her that are necessarily way above her reading level. Sometimes we're reading books to her that she probably could read in a stretch. And I think that that's important too, is to read, is to read books that are you know, that they might see themselves reading. Like when we read Magic Treehouse, for example, even though, I mean, they're, they're so formulaic and plotting, right? And the language is so simple. But because the language is so simple, our daughter can see words in there that she can read and she's getting excited to point them out. And I've been mm-hmm. telling her, you know, you could probably read this book. You know, you're very close to reading this book. She can kind of see it. It's like a stretch goal. Yeah. And then I'll read something to her like Harry Potter where she's recognizing you know, the, the, the font size is smaller. She's recognizing very little of it. So I, I think it's a balance. If you can try to choose books with rich language, unless you're, you know, like, like a magic tree house or something like that rainbow fairies. Oh, God forbid. Um, and you're trying to show your child a stretch goal of something that they might be able to read. Then, you know, that's a, that's a reason to maybe sacrifice for simpler language. Well, the idea of, because they, they'd come up to read that soon. Yeah. The, the idea of leveling up or, or working above your level is, is definitely something that is true in almost every aspect of life, whether it's mm-hmm. sports you know, whether it's reading, whether it's writing, um, whether it's performance, you know, anything of that nature, exposing yourself to higher level content, you know, just above where right. you are or, or higher level activity is, I mean, that's a universal, whether it's like working out, you know, mm-hmm. lift with somebody who lifts better than you so you can get better or play sports against someone who's better than you so you can get better, right? Those are the type of things. The same thing I think applies to reading, read something that's above your level but obviously not too far. Like I wouldn't open up War and Peace with her. <laughs> right. You know, right. but like reading up is a good thing. Like Harry Potter would be a good example of where she is right now with her reading, where she is with her understanding, her her audio literacy, maybe a, a term there, um, is way higher than where she is physically reading books. Yeah, absolutely. If she can listen to, enjoy, understand, and grok all of... <laughs> Of what right. she's listening to in Harry Potter when she listens to audiobooks. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she's still at the early reader stage. So I, I know that's, you know, you're stretching out there and one day it's going to, like a rubber band's going to snap up mm-hmm. and you're going to see those kind of step-like motions in her development. And I know we're waiting for it, but I know I know this. it's a sound theory and I've seen it in practice right. and it's I, I know it's going to work for her. So the really challenging part about this, when you're trying to choose a book that 
you know, if you're not, if you're not yeah. choosing a book that's, that they could read soon, right. You are choosing a, a, a higher level, more complex book. The problem is that the age ratings on those books are not going to be consistent. The age ratings are meant for what age could read this, mm-hmm. not what age could understand this. So that's a really difficult situation. One of the things that I like to do if you found a book that you think looks really interesting is to um, take a good look at the reviews, take a good look at some common sources um, that you know you can go to and see. You know, does this have violence in it? Does it have language? You know, you know, really kind of research that book. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you have to do more than just go to Amazon and be like, oh, that says age seven. Okay, you know, get that <laughs> because you're going to be reading books that they can't necessarily read to themselves well, yet and a lot of those books say if you find it on amazon amazon gives you the preview capability where you can look at the first 10 percent mm-hmm. of the book and you can get that first chapter and read a few pages and see if okay is this something that you know is up to my reader's level is this something that i i, I enjoy reading a page of right like i've noticed with the missy piggle wiggle book that we're reading right now and it's just you know just something because i'm doing it right now the the way the sentences are written it almost feels like the writer is i think english and I can feel it in there. It's a little bit more loopy and mm-hmm. a little bit more, uh, sentences are a lot longer. Um, they kind of have a lot of conjunctions in there. And when you're reading that, you can almost get lost reading a two or three line sentence for your learner. It's not, you know, it's not punchy like Hemingway type of stuff. It's a little bit more loopy. And I've, I've noticed that where I've had to catch myself a few times saying, "Ooh, the readability of this book is, you know, it's a good book. She's My, my learner's really enjoying it. Um, but for me, it can get a little difficult reading because I'm trying to do like a, a cadence mm-hmm. and everything. And then sometimes you get, you start to stumble a little bit because it, it breaks that, breaks right. that stride. Yeah. It can be really difficult, right? I, I like to look on something like Goodreads and get look at some of the reviews and, and, and things, um, so that I can get a good idea of, you know, if it has issues with violence or anything in there but also like you said looking at a sample of the book you know if you're going to invest in reading like a 300 page book it's a great idea to check out a sample because just because a book is a great book Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's a great read aloud book they they don't all work that way um and and so I think you've got to, you know, check out a couple of pages before you commit to read it to your kids. Because we've had books before where we've chosen to read it aloud to our our child, and she's gotten really into it. And we're thinking like, this is not work as a read aloud. Yeah. And then we have to struggle through the rest of it. To, to go in more to that point, you, you've done more of the read alouds. You know, I, we're, we're we're breaking off script here because actually, is a question I wanted to ask you. Oh. Um, you've done more read alouds and more um, longer form books. I mm-hmm. do a lot of the shorter the shorter form That's books. Right. Um, and that goes to one of our interviews is that I'm not really a good reader out louder. <laughs> no, we yeah. used to not be able to even play games like yeah, cranium really and things when we were younger, you'd have to read like a question trivia card Cause, or cause I'm re- I read so fast. I yeah. just scan read. You just couldn't do it. And so it was really, it was really difficult for me, but, um, I've gotten a lot better. You but, have yeah. tons. And have you noticed, um, learner, you know, our early, you know, our, six and a half year old having issues with like a first person book versus a third person book. Have you run into that a lot or has it mostly been all third person stuff? You know, it's been a mix and I haven't really noticed her have a big problem with that. I'm a very expressive reader. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a lot of high school debate and theater. And so uh, I'm a very expressive reader. So I think that, I think that she tends to, 
she tends to get into wh- whoever the character is. She's invested. Uh, one of the things, and I guess we'll get to it in a little bit, but one of the things that I think really helps with this is I do all the voices. Uh, not well, not Jim Dale, but I do all the voices, and that really helps her keep things straight, especially when there's a lot of dialogue, because one of the things I've noticed is that when if you read a, a long paragraph and then at the end somebody said... Mm, our daughter could have forgotten half of those words like because she didn't know who was speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I will do actually when I'm reading, because I'm reading at a slower cadence so she understands, is I actually will, my eyes will jump to the end of the dialogue so I know who is going to say it. That way when I start to talk, I use the correct voice. Mm-hmm. Um and it takes a little bit of practice. I'm not saying it's easy, but if you're not reading too fast, you can definitely do that. And then it's like, oh, I know Hermione's saying this sentence, so I'm going to do it in Hermione's voice. And that helps our daughter really. Could, could you give us Hermione's voice? No. And I'm anger do it. all of our English. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. It's so bad. I would not perform it for you. But <laughs> I think in my head, I'm channeling yeah. how Jim Dale says, Harry. You know, and then I'm trying to do it and it doesn't sound like that. Um, But I'm thinking Jim in my head. Uh, So anyways, that's one of the things I think really helps her is because I am doing the voices. I noticed I didn't used to do the voices. And then we started doing Harry Potter. We started listening to the audiobook, and she was so engaged with it. And I was like, I wonder if I could do some voices. And it's totally 100% changed things. You don't have to have like like Jim Dale, like a unique voice for every single character or like in some of these audio books where they'll do a voice for every single character you can just hop between two if it's a if it's a discussion between two characters or maybe three if you're just rocking between two different kind of you know delivery patterns yeah i think that helps that'll yeah, get I you most it's of the enough. way there for most, I, most it's funny kids. because we've gotten to the point we've read we've read you know we've read the first three harry potter books and we've read them multiple times that we've got to the point where i'll read other books and mm-hmm. i'll use one of the same voices <laughs> Because I don't realize, like, I'm not a professional at this. And she'd be like, Mom, that's Lockhart's voice. She especially with Lockhart. The moment I'm like, Harry, Harry, Harry. Fame is a fickle friend, Harry. And she's like, ah, she goes crazy, right? Because that's Lockhart's voice. Um, So anyway, we, we've digressed. But yeah. but I think using expressive voices really helps. No, I think that. this all matters because it's it, it goes to the idea of, you know, what will inspire your reader? You know, what will gather their interest? Yeah, you want them to be engaged. And yeah. so I think that, you know, you want to pick books that have um, really engaging characters, have an engaging story. I kind of like to think... Not not a short book, like a magic treehouse or something. I could read one of those in, you know, 35 minutes or something, you know, th- like that's not like that. But like a book that is a few hundred pages. Like what you're reading right now, the um, what Penny? Yeah, I'm reading the Penny Royal Academy, the yes. very first book. Um, so, you know, that's like, I don't know, 350 pages or something. That's, that's a huge in, commitment. That's yeah. an investment in my time. So the first thing when she sees something at the library she's interested in, I'm like, is this worthy of my time? Is this worthy of our time? It's an eight or nine hour read. Right. And so I think when you're trying to find a good book, right, you want to assess like, okay, is this a book that has rich language, has compelling characters, sounds Mm -hmm. like an engaging story. You've read a snippet of it. Does it, is it a book that works for a read aloud? Um, Some books that are super heavy dialogue, it's like he said, she said, he said, she said, like they don't work very well for read alouds unless you're good with voices. And sometimes I skip who said it because mm-hmm. I'm doing the voice, so that works. Um, so does it work for a read aloud? Is it something your kid's going to be interested in? 
Does it have any themes or things that you don't want to expose your kids to yet because it is a book meant for an older reader? And then is it worthy of your time? Mm -hmm. That is a big question. And sometimes when the answer to that is no, I will get the audiobook from the library and let my kid listen to that because I'm like, this is not worth my time to sit and read to you this this book that's like not rich and good. Well, I mean, it goes to what you said earlier is that, uh, you know, the time is precious. You, you may only have 30 or 40 minutes at the right. end of the night to, I, I to read, read good stuff, read a longer book. I mean, obviously in our normal curriculum, we're reading short books, short yeah. children's books. And picture books know, all the time. I, I can crank through picture books. You know, I'll pull four or five of them. We'll read them in one sitting like I will tomorrow, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but it's, it's like you can move through those, but these chapter books, I mean, these are whole different animals. They really Especially are. when you get beyond these kind of early reader chapters books like a like a uh, magic tree house or mm-hmm. like a renly type of book that you can sit down and read the entire thing in you know 40 minutes sure you know when you get into these things that are eighty thousand words and they're three four hundred pages long i mean th- these are huge commitments it, it is it's a big time commitment yeah. you know the other thing i want to know about a, a book when i'm looking for one to read is is this a book that's going to spark conversation mm-hmm. you know with my my child is something that's they're going to be interested in is it going to motivate them to have like a deeper interest or an understanding mm-hmm. about whatever topic this is about? Um, sometimes, you know, you look at things that are like, oh, this is a classic book and everybody loved this book. Um, and and then I read more about it and I'm like, my kid would just totally not be interested in this book. Yeah, right. It's not worth reading it to them if it's like completely outside of their interest, uh, their interest pattern. Um, you know, is it going to inspire your kid to read more? That's the other thing too. Like I want, I want books that ex- inspire her to want to go on to the next book. Like, yeah. oh, you know, this is so good. I couldn't put it down. Yeah, I want her to have that experience, you know, and, and we want to, you know, we want to read books they want to read, even if it's not, I mean, like, is it worthy of my time is a little bit hard to say. Sometimes she really wants to read something. And so we do do things like, oh, okay, I'm in the middle of reading Pirates Past Noon, Magic Tree House, but we're also reading Penny Royal Academy. So what I can do is I can read a chapter of Magic Tree House, and then we'll read a chapter of Penny Royal. And one is vastly richer than the other. Um, but I'm reading something that my kid really wants me to read. Mm-hmm. I think what's really important too about choosing great books is what constitutes a great book is different in everybody's mind. Yeah. And there's plenty of people that love the classics and they think it's that's the greatest book that ever came out. And we've tried to read some of these and been like, this just doesn't really work anymore. Yeah. This isn't engaging. It's not exciting. It's not the early 1900s and this doesn't work. Now, other books totally work. They're still good and they hold up, um, but not all of them do. So I don't think we need to be pressured by saying like, oh, this is a classic, so we've got to read this. I've I've felt some of that pressure, and I've had to just let that go. There's too many books out there. Like, don't waste your time reading something that you and your kids don't like. Yeah, and Just because it's a quote-unquote classic. Yeah, as somebody who reads a lot, and I read pretty wide, and and I have a whole segment of every year that I read, I, I do read classics, and... And I agree with you that it is it is difficult. You just hit and miss, man. I would rather have some, you know, twelve or thirteen year old. You know, we have a friend who's at the same parent partnership we're at, and um, I always I'm always asking him. He's you know eleven, and I'm always asking him, hey, you know, what are you reading? Because oh, you know, for school I got to read this. He, I said, yeah, yeah. Well, that aside, what are you reading? He goes, oh, I'm on to book eight of this like cheesy middle grade spy thriller. You know, uh, these kids and they're solving problems and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to get on to the next one. I said, what else are you reading? And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm reading this other series and everything. And you could just see the, 
the light and the excitement mm-hmm. turn on um, for something that they're actually passionate about and actually interested in. So if you are, you're right. If, yeah. if they're interested in the Scholastic Fairy series that's got 175 books. Oh my gosh. Rainbow it, Fairies. Well, I'm not kidding. It has like 148 books. Yeah, look it up, people. Yeah, look it up. And <laughs> but don't show your children because <laughs> once they know about it. Yes. All the colors of the rainbow They're the fairy. worst illustrations yeah. oh, ever. They're very roll dolly, you know. They're just bit. like printing cash with yeah, them. Yeah, that's right. I know. You, you know, I think that this is a really interesting concept because for a lot of us, school and the, the books that we were kind of forced to read <laughs> for school kind of started to kill our love of reading. Yeah, right. Um, and the books that we wanted to read at home, those were what kept us going. And then as adults, and you and I fall into the same category where we rediscovered, we lo- totally lost our love of reading through school yep. and the books we had to read. And we didn't rediscover our love of reading until we were like out of college, much older adults mm-hmm. really like came you, back you to reading. You did it a little bit before me, but I was always reading a couple books a year, but you all of a sudden started reading a lot. Right. And then I've made the the recommitment, you know, to improve my writing, to read a lot. And now I'm reading you know, 70, yeah, 80 now you books read a year. Way more yeah. than I do. Yeah. But it's it's interesting because we both had a time in our lives where we were we moved away from wanting to read because everything we had to read, I remember thinking everything I had to read for school was depressing. It was all depressing. And But uh, Cormac says it's not worth reading unless it's about life and death. Yeah, it was always about death. <laughs> um and I just remember <laughs> thinking, like, I don't want to read these stories and why should we have to? Yeah. We're homeschoolers, we get to choose what we're gonna read. So let's read good stuff that is engaging, that our kids are into. Yeah. And we don't have to read anything that is a quote unquote great book just because some scholar has deemed that it is if we and our kids are not interested in it. But you, I'm you gonna sh- get my pulpit down. You, you you should read Anna Karenina though. It's so long. No, so it's so beautiful. It's perfect. So long. So perfect. Tolstoy. All right. All right. So let's get into some tips here. We've yes. talked a little bit about how to find great books and, and start looking for them. Now, there's lots of great lists out there. You'll find, um, if you want to check out like the, the Read Aloud Handbook, um, Jim Trelease's book, or Read Aloud Family Revival, know that the, that author is a Christian. So there's a few titles in there that are reflecting that worldview, but there's a lot of other titles that are not. Yeah. Um, you'll find lots of great lists online. Any of these that you see and you come across something that you think might be good, going to take into account the things we've talked about, about how to choose if it's the right book for your family. So, so some tips, um, bring your child's attention to the words after they look at the illustrations. So this is something that happens to us all the time. We've got picture books or even chapter books that have pictures in them. My daughter is so engrossed with the picture. Um, and I'm just reading on ahead. Sometimes it's nice to just stop, let them absorb the illustration and then kind of bring them back to the text that we're reading. And that's what we do with our early readers as well. That's the normal flow when she gets to a new page. I pause. I don't say anything. She absorbs the image and I can see her like scanning the image for things. And then her eyes go to the words. And, That's and, right. And I, and I really agree that that is something you, you should always pause if, especially if you get to a page where, you know, like the Missy, um, Miss Piggle Wiggle, Missy Piggle Wiggle, it's hard to say, Missy Piggle Wiggle. They have basically one illustration every 10 pages. And mm-hmm. so when we get to it, I give my learner, you know, 10, 15 seconds mm-hmm. to really, really look at the image because it's like the only image that she's going to get for the whole book. That's right. And then we can kind of draw them back to, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I use my finger to kind of point every once in a while where I'm reading, not like every line, but just to keep her. And she will then see, 
she's starting to look at words and hear me read and kind of follow along. Um, it's giving them an idea of, you know, the context of the story. So we're talking about like, who's talking right now and what are they saying and kind of having a dialogue through Mm -hmm. while we're reading. Um, you know, we're, we're showing our kids how books are organized, especially when you have picture books where you've got different, like, um, uh, speech bubbles and stuff Mm -hmm. like what order should we read these in you know i'm kind of showing her like okay this is the order that the author means for us to read them in um and so we're pointing out letters we're pointing out words you know and sometimes we can have some fun games you know find all the words on this page that are all 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 the thes for example and then she starts going to hunt them so there's some kind of fun things that we can do to keep you know things interesting while we read funny silly words if the writer has kind of like a silly vocabulary that they have that's part of the world Mm -hmm. you know harry potter's are very famous for that but like if you point out some weird funny words that could actually kind of spur some interest there yeah like our daughter loves the word mcgonagall (laughs) so she can find mcgonagall in any of the harry potter books like she just she loves it so um so that's kind of a fun thing to do one of the best things we can do when we read aloud to our kids is draw connections Mm -hmm. to the story with something that happened in their life experience or our life experience. Um, obviously we have many more life experiences than our kids. So we'll read through something and I'll say, Oh my gosh, that's just like what happened to daddy that one time when he was a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, or whatever. And we have that and it helps them to connect to the text and to the story. So, um, you know, we can also connect it to maybe other books that they read. Oh, this is just like what that other character did. So, you know, they can also get practicing the recall, Right. We can also talk about some universal concepts, morals, like, oh, he was lying or, hmm, that person seems untrustworthy or, you know, uh, so there's just different things. um, You just can't assume that they're making those, uh, their own connections there. Right. I mean, at some point they certainly will be, but it's nice to kind of check those connections. Like, are they making all the connections? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So sometimes I can just ask my daughter after we read a page and something happened, what do you think about that? And depending on her response, I know whether she's connected to that or whether I might be like, well, but why do you think she did this? Or what do you think about her saying this? Mm-hmm. And we can kind of drill down a little bit. She can get the deeper meaning because if we're reading just for them to hear us talk and they're not getting the meaning of the story, then we're losing so much ground. They're, they're mm-hmm. you know, um, being immersed in vocabulary, but they're not connecting it to anything. Yep. Yep. And then moving beyond that, we talked a lot about doing voices. Um, yes. If you're not doing voices now, I challenge you. We we challenge you I, to I, just I try. Go to the at least two voices thing. So you can actually have the, you know, especially the dialogue, be able to move back and forth and the learner can hear that, okay, I'm listening to two separate mm-hmm. people talking or three separate people talking. You don't have to be very creative with it, but if you can just change your inflection. Change you can your even, speed. You can even just change just do your normal voice and then have one you know speed or inflection change for another character and then just kind of hop between those two i would say have some fun with it right nobody is watching you it's just you and your kids do something silly because i noticed the level of engagement skyrocketed when i started doing voices and now i basically can't read without voices because it's expected yeah exactly (laughs) um also taking the book to the next level and bringing in other media such as a movie like if you've read a book or if you want to you know we were talking a little bit about maybe putting together kind of a unit study around a book and a movie Um, yeah and 
Ariel and I, there was all, what was it, TNT or TBS had dinner TBS, and a movie? TBS, it was Paul and, and Annabelle. It was yeah. dinner and a movie. Dinner and a movie. And, and they we, would cook and we, they would We did this for, for a long time. Yeah, we, we, we made we our still, own dinner and movie. We've still carried on the tradition. And I think, you know, at, adding some um, things outside the book to the, mm-hmm. to reading of the book or also the, the kind of that carrot element of saying okay when we're done with this we get to watch the movie and right see how you know see what changed see what was the same I, I i love that i love being able to talk with our daughter about you know what did they change for the movie do you think that that was a good change exactly, yeah. what did they cut or what did they add why do you think they did that and and it, there's all kinds of critical thinking thinking that's happening they're recalling back to the story they're thinking about the movie oh they decided to do this character differently than it was in the book. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they did that? Or, or do you think that this was a better interpretation than the book or a worse one? Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of good things that you can, you can glean from that. And then also not overlaying your read alouds with the expectation of work, you know, and some, oh, some like curriculum yeah, totally. or some, some type of report or anything of that nature, not putting that undue burden. Because a lot of times I've noticed with, you know, my, my limited experience, but I have a couple of years on my belt always loading and you know weighing things down with okay we're learning it's time to learn everything is homeschool everything is homeschool and i think that can kind of drag down the experience a little bit so reading for fun without any strings attached and and, in some respects having things that are exciting to come after it whether Mm -hmm. it's like hey we're going to make a cool meal or we're going to bake something or um you know we're going to watch a movie um i know my writers group we're, we're putting a new anthology together and it's it's all about food and story and so in the story you have food referenced and at the end is a recipe that you can actually make of that in inside that story and we're calling it bread also rises which is <laughs> just one of the best puns ever um but like Love you know it. having that kind of like that reward mechanism built in as opposed to always having it you know laden down right. with expectations why does everything have to have a book report or a diorama or something you know one of the things we like to do is read a book to our daughter and then have our daughter do a video where mm-hmm. she tells grandpa about it and we yeah. just send it to grandpa and it's no pressure. Like she didn't have to, you know, and even when it comes time for her to really be writing, she doesn't write a ton now. She does write a bit. She does do handwriting practice, but she's not like writing her own stories and things. I don't even know if then I'm going to have her do just wrote book reports. I can't think of anything more boring than doing a book report. <laughs> I would love for her to say, take characters from that world and write an original story about them. Some fanfic. Right. You know, or, you know, explore a concept that the book only touched on or something, just something more meaningful. Um, you know, book reports in school were just really meant to show that you read the book. Mm-hmm. Well, we know we read the book. <laughs> Let's do something better um, and not have to tie everything to an academic lesson. I think that's a really important point. I'm going to that story you told about where never stop reading to your kids, you know, yeah. talk a little bit, you know, why that's important. I I don't think I, I don't remember my parents reading to me very much when I was younger, but I think I, I, I was one of those kids who, um, once I learned to read, I ran out as fast as I could. And I was reading books way above my, my right. pay grade, way, way above my, uh, my weight, my white grade here. I was into, you know, adult. One of my favorite things was I was not allowed to watch rated R movies when I was younger, mm-hmm. not even until I was a little bit older. It was weird. Um, but I, my parents will always let me read the novelization of the movie. And I always remember reading like the Die Hard book because I couldn't watch the movie and, you know, reading these Michael Crichton books that I couldn't watch the PG-13 movies because I was too young, but I could read the book and I always enjoyed doing that. So I always 
I think my reading level like progressed because it was like I wanted to watch these things, but I couldn't. So I might as well read the book. And so, yeah, I think that there's kind of a multifold thing. Yeah. One, you know, you can even after your kids can can read, you can read things above their reading level. Um, but two, even if you're reading something that they could read, there's all of those connection elements that you get. There's the opportunity to discuss something with them. Like, like you were, you know, 10 and reading an adult level fiction books, right? There was no one there to talk with you about things that maybe were a bit advanced for a 10 year old to be reading. Exactly. Just because you could read it, um, didn't necessarily mean that you should have to read it by yourself. There's a, there's a communal aspect to reading. Even you and I have our marriage book club where we read the same book together. Best thing ever. Yeah, we love it. And we talk about it. We don't read it together out loud or anything. We read separate chapters on our own and then we discuss. But the act of communal reading is, is just a, it's a really cool thing. And when you read aloud, then you you're all sharing this experience. You and your children are all sharing it. Even if some of your kids could read that on their own, then you all get to talk about it. You're all on the same page. Everybody read the same section. Everybody wants to know what happens. There's just something that you you don't get by reading silently by yourself. Another aspect of that, and it's something I'm about to do, is not necessarily reading with your learner, but curating a reading experience around a, a text. And I'll give you a good example. I'm about to read King Lear um, and I'm curating content. Um, you know, I've got my, my, my lovely cliff notes. I always love to have um, when I'm reading some, you know, higher piece of literature. Um, I, I, I get some critiques as I'm pulling down a movie. I have a BBC adaptation of the book um, of the play that I'm going to listen to along as I read so I can hear the voices um, there's been some great film adaptations and I have that curated as well that I'm ready to watch that. And so around the experience of reading the work, I have different media that I'm going to mm-hmm. consume along the way that will help to, you know, elevate whatever it is right. that you're reading. Heighten that experience. Heighten that experience. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to read, you know, sit over the shoulder with your 14 year old and read them, you know, some piece of literature or something like that. It's the idea of being creating a reading experience, whether, you know, with our younger learners, it's obviously us doing voices Mm -hmm. and reading and everything. But as they get a little bit older, you can begin to not just read the, you know, this book, but also maybe say, okay, I'm going to get you the audio book. I'm going to get you the movie and I'm going to have you do all of the things together. And it'll be a a more enriching experience, especially with these, you know, uh, you know, more popular pieces of content, obviously some obscure book that was just written, you know, we can't wait till Andy Weir's uh, Hail Mary movie comes out and stuff like that. Mm, but, yeah. you know, when you have these great books and you compare them with movies and you compare them with some like, you know, learning and mm-hmm. other stuff, it, it creates, a you know, I think a more complete experience. I mean, I remember sitting there as a teenager, though, and listening to audiobooks, like you mentioned Michael Crichton. I mean, I remember yeah. sitting and listening to like Michael Crichton type audiobooks when I sat and would do puzzles. Um, and sometimes I would play them out loud. My mom and I would both do puzzles together and listen to the mm-hmm. book together. I think there's something about listening and it, it's training us, right? Like we're trying to train our kids too to be able to listen and intake information in the future. Well, if you think about like, what do you do on a daily basis? It's more often than not, we're in a collaborative work environment right. where I'm having to listen to people sure. um, and what they're saying and what they're teaching and what they're ex- explaining, especially in an engineering context. And having a good listening comprehension skills, Mm -hmm. I think is, I mean, I wouldn't say it's 
more important than your reading comprehension, but it's I think it's right up there because it's very important. I mean, think I, about I tell you, college classes. Yeah. Think about listening to professors exactly. lecture, right? I, so even to your teenagers, I think if they'll sit for it, do it. And, and and to be honest, if you think about it genetically, we are probably more predisposed to listening to stories because that mm-hmm. has been happening way longer than the written word. And so there's something, there's some, you know, gene number 5 million firing <laughs> inside of our DNA when we hear something spoken to us in a story pattern that goes back, you know, millions of years when, you know, we were just trying to figure out what to do on those, you know, Eastern African plains. I, I think that listening to things goes a lot longer has been around a lot longer That's true. Than, than, than actually well, reading Well, think stuff. about reading. Think yeah. about what happens when you read. Don't, I mean, You're I think listening for most to of yourself us, you hear your <laughs> own voice in your head reading it. I'm trying to break that because I can read faster than when you're not doing that. I understand. But a lot, but for most of us, that is how we read, right? It we is, hear our yeah. own voice echoing in our head as we exactly. are reading the text. Um, so, you know, we're kind of reading aloud to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, you know, reading aloud to all ages, if your kids will let you do it, and you'd be amazed, I think, um, I've heard so many stories about parents pulling out books to read to their slightly younger students mm-hmm. and having their, you know, 13-year-old kind of edging in and listening in too, and then all of a sudden they're engaged in the story. So, exactly. you know, trying to pick a book that everyone will enjoy can be a real challenge but when you get it i think it's gold yeah now the next one here obviously is is a chuckle worthy thing read every day <laughs> you don't have to do especially when they're being jerks well you did read to them today so <laughs> you met I our did. quota <laughs> but you <laughs> know quota. setting a really what this 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 tip is about is about setting aside time to read so for us um you know, you're reading to them different times during the day, but I yeah. set aside bedtime. I read to both of them at bedtime, and that's that's the time that we've set aside. Something that I found uh, recently is I'm giving my daughter some Legos, giving my other daughter some Legos or an activity or something like that, sitting at the kitchen table, kind of waiting for you to come home. You know, I can get a quick chapter of a chapter book done, sitting there reading, and, mm-hmm. you know, she's listening. The, the young one may not be understanding exactly what I'm talking about, but she'll sit and do something. Right. And I think just through osmosis, she's getting some, you know, some experience right. there. Well, and she's getting the experience of being read to and, and mm-hmm. sitting for it, which is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the other thing is we, we can't expect our kids to have tons of stamina for this. Mm-hmm. We have to kind of work them up to it. Um, we recently got my daughter one of those poppet fidget type of things Mm -hmm. Uh, and she loves to sit there and do that while we read um or you know fidget spinner or if your kids want to play legos quietly or do a puzzle and doing it as like a group especially if you have more than one kid kind of doing that together so that the younger ones are seeing the older ones um modeling good behavior of sitting Mm -hmm. and listening and and coloring i mean there's you know whatever kind of quiet activity they want to do that uh you know but we can't expect our, especially our young kids, to have very much stamina. So yeah. you're going to want like short bursts of reading um, unless they can get kind of locked into an activity and then they can listen while they're doing that activity. You yep. know, just know that you're going to need to start small with your kids and then build up um, as you read aloud more and more. So hopefully, you know, this has been helpful for most most of you guys out there. I think most of us know about the reading aloud and I think we kind of put it together. Ariel has already teased that she's going to be putting together a reading list. Um, Emily... From Build Your Library has a wonderful website if you're looking for books that to kind of tie into historical events or any type of curriculum. Yeah, what was the name got, of that again? It's historybookbybook. Historybookbybook.net or .com. I don't know. It'll be in the show I'll, notes. I'll put the link in the show notes. Another great resource for you to go out and find books. Goodreads is also another good list. 
Um, there's a ton of lists that people put together. If you just search for Goodreads, like Harry mm -hmm. Potter alternatives or, you know, whatever your favorite series is alternatives, more than likely somebody has put together a Goodreads list that can show you what to do there. Another thing too, is if you go onto Amazon, you find that book in Amazon. If you scroll down, not through the, um, the ad carousels, but below there are recommendations of people who have bought this book also may have enjoyed this book. Mm -hmm. Definitely take a look at those for ideas. Um, there are a lot of ways. There's also suggest me a book on subreddit. It's a subreddit on Reddit. Our suggest me a book is a great place to find. You can go and search their catalog and find posts. People saying, Oh, I've read this series and I'd love to have another one like it. And people will go ahead and throw in, throw in um, examples of that. And you can see the one that's been upvoted the most. And that may be a good place to start, especially if you're trying to curate a new, new series or a new, new path. Maybe you're 12 year old is getting into space marine, uh, you know, epics, you know, that type of thing. And you can go out and find a good series about that. Um, so reading, 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 I think we all understand mm -hmm. is the most important thing. Hopefully this is helpful. Now we will. Hopefully this just reaffirms yeah. what you, you kind of already knew. And, and I did, when I was doing research for this episode, I was kind of like, well, I mean, we all know like reading aloud is a sure, great thing, sure. right? I like, I don't need to be convinced, but, uh, as I did research and just really, you know, laid out all of the benefits and all of the ideas. I was, I, I felt renewed in, you know, yeah, reading aloud is valuable time spent every day. Yeah. Good, good reading aloud baptism. I feel renewed. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, books, books, books. Now we'll end it the way we always do something that we're into. We have, my daughters and I have been into a, <laughs> if, if people know there are these trick shot, uh, YouTube channels, um, famous one is dude. Perfect. Um, they have millions and millions of followers and they do these insanely crazy sports uh, competitions. And, you know, it's not just shooting from half court. It's shooting from half court while blindfolded or whatever. And I found one that I've been following for a little bit while, a little while called That'll Work. And I'll put a link down below. It's just a guy. He's at home all day long. Nice house. Don't know where. Probably somewhere in the Midwest. And he does these crazy things. Like, for example, take his golf club and chip ping pong balls across the room into a toilet paper roll. <laughs> and it's got to make it right in the middle. And these videos will take him, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll admit this took me three days and 18 hours to finally get it to work. Right. And they're the, some of the most amazing things you've ever seen. Oh, th you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using my golf club to hit a dart into a bullseye on the dartboard. I mean, just think about like the, you know, what that looks like anyway. So We've been watching those and, you know, last day or so I, I got a uh, couple ping pong balls. And so we've been today, me, the little one and the older one were bouncing ping pong balls into cups, very similar to like the, that'll work guy. Why is this important? It's, um, spatial awareness. It is physics. It is engineering. It's, um, the creativity of creating your own super duper combo, uh, we did a bunch of them and I said oh, to my older one, I said, hey, you know, go off and do your own now. And so she ran in the, in the bathroom and got some toilet paper and created this whole like, you know, Rube Goldberg thing. And she was throwing things off and waiting for the ping pong ball to hit into the cup. It was a really, really cool thing. It really kind of sparked her creativity. She loved watching the videos with me. And sometimes she had to watch. She, she They were so crazy. She didn't really even understand what the guy was doing. And I had to like slow it down and like explain it to her. He just threw five ping pong balls at one time and then threw a cup onto the ground and all five ping pong balls went into the cup. 
And I'm like, I don't think you realize how hard that is. And so she starts trying to throw a ping pong ball just into a cup. And she's like, oh, daddy, that guy, he's really good. He's really good. Like, I think my favorite one was he had a, uh, a Nerf football on a baseball tee. 150 feet away was a basketball net. And he used a baseball bat to hit the Nerf football into the basketball net like 150 foot away where does he come up with these it, it's wild the fun the fun ones that we, we were watching was he he's throwing cds into his wii and it has to hit the wii don't recommend this at home i don't recommend this one at home hit the wii so that the cd hits and then goes into the wii like the wii will catch it and then bring it in like it's a normal game and he's got all these different variations of them. Like it's up on a bookcase and he's throwing it from behind. He's bouncing it off of two BOSU balls, like the workout ab balls. I mean, it's just crazy. These are crazy videos. But anyway, my, my daughter loved seeing it. She loved trying out her own little, you know, trick shot stuff. And, and I think it really spurred a lot of creativity. So if you want to have a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of engineering fun, um, I will suggest that'll work. And I'll put a link in the show notes. It was a lot of fun. This is what you're getting up to while I'm at work, huh? Well, listen, you know, <laughs> the people know that I'm not really serious about this homeschool thing. <laughs> Whatever YouTube can help us out with is good. No, I, I really enjoy trick shot stuff. And I'm, as somebody who played sports, played basketball for 25 years, it's definitely something I can appreciate the how difficult these things are. And I tried, now that my daughter's starting to play sports, yay, um, I am, you know, trying to share those things with her and, 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 that she can appreciate how difficult some of these things are and, and how difficult sports are. It's really fun. That'll do, pig. That'll do. That'll, do. That'll work. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!